Hey everyone, welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast, the best place on the internet to keep up with the world of men's professional volleyball. My name is Dan and on today's episode we are going to talk about the Russian League, the Italian League, the Polish Men's Professional Volleyball Leagues as usual, as well as take another trip down to Wall Street to the Volleyball Stock market see who's trending up see who's trending down maybe make a few good bets here or there so hope you guys had a good week settle down with a nice tea over this weekend and hope you enjoy the podcast So actually not a lot of news this week. Wasn't wasn't a big week for any transfers or anything on the men's side at least. On the women's side we had Tiana Boscovich re-signing with Ekcetsabatsi in Turkey and also a lot of rumors around Paula Iganu potentially going to Fenerbahce for a fat, fat purse of 1 million plus euros. I mean she deserves it man. If you guys are women's volleyball fans, Paula Iganu is just insane to watch. So much more athletic than pretty much any other player and, and quite a skilled player as well really fun to watch but in men nothing too so far still no news on matt anderson still no news on erosh kovacevic kind of waiting to see what happens with those two guys we did have a few euro volley qualifiers this week um the two main teams in those tournaments being bulgaria and turkey not in the same pool bulgaria playing in israel making pretty quick work out of everyone except for austria who actually was had a couple of tight uh sets there with with uh bulgaria and even without alex berger in that match too who you know you'd assume is their best player but yeah austria uh playing pretty well against bulgaria who who had a lot of their team they had sokolov they had yorgi uh, saganov they had marty Natanasov, they had Todor screamov so they had all their big guns for the most part uh, but anyway bulgaria will easily qualify for your volley same thing with turkey uh beating everyone 3-0 in the pool in Macedonia. However, Macedonia, you know, good team, Nikola Georgiev. Sorry, Macedonia did take a set off of Turkey, who has, again, they have they have a pretty young team here. They have basically Efe Bayram, uh, Lagum Zija, Medentoy, and being set by the great Arslan Exi, who was the 2019 European Golden League MVP. Him and Adis Lagum Zija, tight race for the MVP, Turkey winning the European Golden League in, uh, two years ago, but Arslan Exi, at the end of the day, was the MVP. Anyway, Turkey also easily going to qualify for Eurovolley. Yeah, if either of those teams hadn't qualified, not a good look because they're two fairly strong teams. I would say they're both top 20 teams internationally for sure. Bulgaria probably even close to top 10. So yeah, Eurovolley 21, we'll see what happens. I'm very excited for it personally. I think it's good. it's a fantastic tournament. It's so underrated by, I feel like, the wider volleyball community because, I mean, Europe has so many of the best teams in the world but unfortunately this year happening right after the olympics so that could impact things a little bit and then also north macedonia probably still with a shot to qualify as one of the second place teams anyway let's move on to some of the club stuff that has been going on i'll just quickly go over a few of the games i watched a few key matchups that happened this week and then we'll go invest our fake volleyball money into the fake volleyball stock market
We started with Italy last week, so let's do Poland first this week because Poland had a couple of fantastic matches. Really fun week to, for Polish volleyball. I feel like the Palouse League is starting to get into a good swing of things here, a good rhythm, not too many more cancelled games everyone's playing. But I think for me, the highlight of this week, the best game was Vervarisava versus Yastrebshi Vagil. Very exciting match because it looked like Yastrebshi was going to, you know, hand Vervarisava the 3 nothing loss. They were up 24-22 in that third set after fairly comfortably winning the first two sets. But a couple of clutch plays from Bartosz Szwolek and others for Vervarisava. I think Michal Superlak had a clutch block and a clutch uh, play in there as well. Vervarisava came back, won the third set, and then pretty easily, pretty comfortably won the fourth in the fifth set. So love to see a comeback down to nothing. And yeah, we were all, even before the game, I was kind of expecting Estrebshi to just walk all over Warsava. But at the end of the day, they came through. Igor Grobelny, who I know, I do kind of chirp sometimes. Uh, don't think he's the strongest player ever, but he had a great match in this one. I mean, hitting 71%. That is crazy on 20 for 28 hitting. I, f I feel like we've seen a lot of really good hitting games recently. I'm not sure not sure why it is, but a lot of 60%, 70% hitting games. Had one from Yuki Ishikawa this week as well, which we'll talk about in a bit. Uh, Mihal Superlak, I think, is definitely going to... He's not have the highest usage, so they have to rely on Sholak and Grobelny a bit more. But Superlak, you know, had a couple of big blocks in the opposite, opposite position. So I can understand maybe why he's playing uh, over Zabrowski or, or Jan Kroll, uh, maybe just for that blocking, because he is a big boy. Doesn't really have a ton of athleticism or attacking prowess, though, for sure. No Yasin Luati for Yastrzebshi Vigil. We had Rafael, Rafael Shimura in instead. Thomas Fornau also struggling a little bit in this one. I mean, he was... Um, had 30 attacking attempts, converted on 15 of them, but also quite a few unforced errors as well as um, five serving errors as well. Yuri Gladier, as usual, had a fantastic match. He's got to be like probably the best middle in the Superliga this year, getting the better probably of Piotr Novakovsky this year, although it was mostly matched up with Andres Rona. So yeah, great win for Vervasava. If there's a time to turn it around in the season, it's probably right about now, right before the... Uh, Right before the Volleyball Cup, which are the top, I believe, the six top six teams in the table will qualify for the Volleyball Cup. So right now, that's Zaxa, Yastrebshi, Trefl-Gdansk, Vervarsava, Zavierci, and then Belshatov just one point ahead of Rusovia. And that's the other big game this week was Rusovia versus Skra. And Rusovia wanted that win because now they are only one point behind Skra Belshatov in the league tables. And they've actually played one less game than them as well. If you look at the record, I mean, Versovia 10 and 6 versus Scraws 8 and 9. On paper, Versovia is looking a lot better. But remember, in volleyball, we have the, the point system. So 3 2 uh, doesn't count quite as much as a 3 1 or 3 0. And honestly, I don't understand why we just don't organize it by set scores. Why do we have to have the in between points and wins and set wins? Uh, it's, for me, it's a little, it's a little strange. Why is a five-set win not as significant of an improvement as a three-set, three-one win over three-zero win? I'm not sure. Anyway, Rusovia versus Skraw, great match again. Uh, Rusovia winning the first two, Skraw winning the next two, and we almost had a 
Same situation as in Versava, but Rusovia managing to pull it out at the end of the game. Clement Chebulge, MVP. This one wasn't quite as much of an offensive performance as Versava versus Yastrzemski, or maybe the defense was better. But uh, yeah, 20 or 42 and 43% hitting from the team. So, so not the greatest hitting performance. A little sloppier. A few more longer rallies, which is, is actually sometimes nice. But uh, Timo, Timo Tamema, the Estonian middle, playing pretty well for Rosovia, as was Jeffrey Jendrick. They definitely had the advantage in the game in the middle, which is really surprising because obviously you expect Mateusz Biniak, Karl Kloch, and Norbert Huber to absolutely dominate the Rosovia middles. I mean, I like the Rosovia middles, but Skrull might have the best middle lineup like in all of volleyball almost, but that didn't happen. Taylor Sander, though, good game, 14 for 25. Ibadapur taking the bulk, the huge bulk of the attacks for PG Skrull Belchertov with 45 attempts, only converting on 18 of them, so probably would have liked to see a little more to Taylor Sander. Wasn't he, wasn't a huge fan of Gregor's Lomash's uh, set choices in this one. He he, I think he was forcing it a little bit to Ibadapur, uh, made some easy, easy sets, which resulted in Quite a few uh, block tip opportunities for Rosovia. But Lomaj has never been really a fancy, creative, strategic setter. Just always just a really solid, dependable guy that will has really good placement. But I, for me, the other elements aren't there for Gregor's Lomaj. And I think it showed a little bit in this one. And also definitely showed that they had basically, I don't know what's going on with opposite for Scraw. They really, they really should have spent more money, I think, at the opposite position this year. Because Dusan Pekovic and Bartosz Filipiak are not are not getting things done and there's so many good opposites out there. I feel like like you see Shawan Vernon Evans in Perugia sitting on the bench not playing. You see guys like Arpad Baroti who like playing in France. There's there's all these guys that probably would have been a better uh fit on PG Scrub Beltratov than the two guys they have now and you know it's just a big weakness in, in your team. It's really tough to win without a good opposite. And we also see that with Verpa Versava a little bit. So the other game style, Nyasa beat Yastrzemski Vejil as well, but then lost to Ulshtin. Rudom lost to Zaxa. Zaxa is still undefeated, 17-0. Can they go all the way? Can Benjamin Taniuti and his henchmen run the table on the Polish league? I mean, the big one's going to be the Polish Cup because, you know, well and good to go undefeated in the regular season but you know it doesn't really actually matter until until you go to the polish cup until you get to the playoffs yeah and then Rudom also losing to lubin as well three nothing so Rudom definitely uh definitely looks like one of the weakest teams in the league this year at least to me dave kanarski five for 17 for 29 percent hitting in that one that's a little rough lucas Lowe also six for 21 29 hitting so Little bit of an issue in on the outsides there for for Rodome. All right, now let's talk about the largest country by landmass in the world, Russia. And after years and years of an established pecking order in Russia, things are starting to get a little juicy here. And we'll go over it a little more in the volleyball stock market, but there were some interesting results this week. The main one being, of course, that Zenit Kazan, the most dominant team of the 2010s, 
has lost four of their last five, including two this week to Dynamo Moscow and to Kuzbas Kemerovo. Crazy stuff. I mean, Bartosz Bednors didn't play against Kuzbas Kemerovo, but man, this is this is not looking good for Zenit Kazan. Definitely had title aspirations, lost their first place in the standings. Dynamo Moscow didn't even have Sveden Sokolov and didn't put in Sam Darun until the fourth set. So the, And also didn't have Larry Kerman in. So essentially, they didn't have three of their best players and they still beat Zenit Kazan 3-1. So yeah, I'll talk about Zenit Kazan maybe a bit later in the podcast more, but I don't know. Something's not right because basically all the players on the team are going through a bit of a dry spell at once. I mean, against Moscow, Maxim Mikhailov 11 for 35. Irvin Angapet 10 for 25. Bartosz Bednor started 2 for 12 before getting benched for Fedor Vorenkov. So I don't know. It seems to me like maybe a chemistry issue in Zenit Kazan, but not to not to put anything past Dynamo Moscow and Kuzbas Kemerovo. Kemerovo especially is having a great run right now, doing very well. Again, it's like it's like the defense surrounding one just like superstar opposite in Ivan Zaitsev. And sometimes that works really well. Zaitsev third in the league in scoring, hitting 51% on the season, which is really nice. And Kozbaz Kamarovo taking over the number one spot in Russia. So well done to them. We'll see how long that lasts, though. I mean, there's Moscow coming for that spot. Zenit Kazan could storm right back. It's, it's going to be a, a interesting race for the top spot in Russia this year. Also, Zenit St. Petersburg making very easy work of Smolter. Finally, Zenit St. Petersburg put together a nice game. I mean, Kliuka, even though his stats have been good recently, when Kliuka has it going, he just looks totally unfair. I mean, there was this one um, point where he was going up against, you know, a fairly poorly set up double block by these guys who were like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, and Kliuka, man, he, he makes them look like they're not even there. And I don't know, once Brizard and Kliuka start really developing that chemistry together, which I f- haven't felt like it's been there this season, that's going to be a really, really devastating combo. And it's already there with Viktor Politaev. He had some very good serves in this game as well. Also, I wanted to watch this game because I really wanted to watch the leading scorer in the Russian Super League, Vitaly Papasvov. Because there was this player, I mean, I don't know, not really the most well-known player, as far as I know, hasn't really got any looks from the Russian national team. And from this game, kind of an interesting player. I mean, he's huge, 204 centimeters, which is about uh, 6'8", 6'9". Doesn't really jump too much, but has an extremely, extremely heavy arm. Just is a huge guy, very built, just smacks the ball. You know, <laughs> not a really technical player either. Just going for hands, and hopefully if he gets it past the block somehow, which... You know, he usually is tooling off hands, but if he gets it past the block, not a lot of opportunities to dig a guy like that. But the ball's almost coming like horizontally right at you. So I can see why he is a bit of a scoring machine. Don't don't really see him getting any looks on the Russian national team, though. And finally, we'll go over the Italian Super League a little bit here as well. Two five-setters this week that were probably the two biggest matches. Just go over the other ones real quick here. Perugia. Unfortunately, again, Ravenna losing 3-0. Ole Plotnitschki, the MVP in that one. Piacenza beating Vibo Valencia 3-1. Aaron Russell 
getting the nod as MVP in that one with Jorg Grozier back on the court, hitting 10 for 22 in this match. We also had Morena making medium-length work of Padva, beating them 3-0, but being taken to 30 points to win the third set. Micah Christensen doing a great job winning MVP in that one. Last unimportant game was Verona beating Sisterna. Again, another side game for Sisterna. 3-0 with Matej Kaziski winning MVP, even though probably should have been Mads Jensen. So our fun games this week, one of them was Trentino versus Monza. Great five-setter Monza. I mean, we kind of could kind of predict them being a strong opponent this year, but this game missing Addis Lagumzija, who was participating in the previously mentioned Euro Volley qualifiers. Vlad Daviskiba, the young Belarusian player taking his place, usually a little bit more of an outside hitter than an opposite, but definitely a player to look out for. Born in 2001, already pretty huge, pretty athletic, already got some good tats for being born in 2001. He was very close to making my uh, best prospects to watch list, which you can watch on YouTube. I was looking at Volleybox earlier, and this guy has a wife, apparently. Uh, So he has a wife, he's tatted up, and he's playing professional volleyball all before the age of 20. So well done, Vlad, playing life on fast forward mode here. But he looked pretty good in this one, but not quite enough to get past Trentino, who's like winning everything now. Oh my goodness, Trentino is on a complete roll. I uh, I think they've won, if you include their Champions League victories, they've won 13 or 14 in a row here. And I mean, come on, guys. We all knew this was coming. This is what I was saying when they were losing games, when they were almost out of the playoffs earlier on this season. Trentino's way too talented. I mean, look at this roster. Gianelli, Podrashin, and Lizanach. Namir Abdelaziz playing like potentially the, like the best player in the world. And now they have their secret weapon, Alessandro Micheletto, the future of Italian volleyball. <laughs> Not the future in this match, though. Hitting 3 for 21 with 3 airs, so... The classic donut hitting uh, hitting efficiency of 0%. But it's okay. He passed well. And that that's, you know, when you have Namir, when you have Lizanach, that's all you need to do. It's just pass the ball well. And a couple times in this match, it looked like Monza were off to a good run. But then just an absolutely clutch defensive play. And usually a couple in a row by Trentino stifled the momentum completely. Although it ended up being very tight. 15-13 in the fifth set there. Although not the best game for Namir here, he did get blocked by Filippo Lanza in this match, which may have sounded like a crazy person sentence, especially if you were to say it at the beginning of the year, but it, but it did in fact happen. We have tape on it. But good match for Monza. They're going to be a tough out in the playoffs. Do not want to be the team matching up with Monza right now in the Volleyball Cup or even in the in the playoffs later on. And then the other fun game this week, Cucine Lubicif Nova playing the still shorthanded Milano, still no Jean Patry. They've had a really tough time, I guess, filling in that opposite position. They've just kind of done a lot of switching over to who's setting up, who's passing, who's attacking from positions two and four. And, and you can see in this match, Yuki Shikawa taking 28 serves, Tien Arnout taking 25 serves, Pesaresi taking 28, and then Mar taking 14. So it's not often that you see that kind of distribution in terms of passing between all those players but I mean they don't really have a choice right now because Luka Basic and especially Luan Weber have been terrible when they've been in at the opposite position especially Luan Weber who who is an opposite he's not gonna pass the ball 
I think he is the worst hitting attacker in the entire league with a hitting percentage, I think, at 29%. So not sure what's going on with him, but he has been completely unplayable in the absence of Jean Petri. And I think I've, I was reading a couple forums or posts or something about how there would be competition for the starting spot between Weber and, and Jean Petri, and that just absolutely has not been the case. But too bad, this would have been a really fun win for uh, Milano. Tight game here, fun game. All the sets were close until the maybe the last one. No Ricardo Spertoli either. So, you know, I'm going to say this is a moral victory for Milano because they are missing their starting setter, Spertoli, who's a lot better than Nicola Daldello. I mean, I like Daldello, but he, he might be one of the least athletic players in the entire Superliga. But on the other side of the net, Luciano De Checo winning MVP leading his team to a 51% hitting percentage in the match, doing a good job of feeding his middles, Enzani and Robert Landy Simon, combining for 28 points on the match, which is very high from the middle position, especially Robert Landy Simon, man. He's he's for sure the best middle in volleyball right now, hitting 14 for 23 in this one, adding a couple aces and a block in there as well. And also, you know, I was doing a deep dive into the uh, stats of the Superliga recently, which you can find on their website if you're reading, if you're listening to this. Uh, Ligavolley.it, go to Statish, or I mean, I think there's an English version too, Statistics, then go to Individual, choose your role, go to Schicciatore or Centrale, whatever you want, and just filter. It's really easy. Really, Actually, it's one of my favorite stat systems. But anyway, I was doing some stats, and like, Yoandi Leal is probably having one of the best seasons of his career, definitely his best season in Italy. He's the only outside hitter slash opposite in the league hitting above 50% efficiency hitting. So hitting 58% attack percentage, 52% Italian efficiency, and just, yeah, scoring a lot of points. He's seventh in the league in scoring, which is fantastic, and doing so on a few less sets. So he's probably up near close to the top of the league in terms of points per set. And he had a bit of a slow start to the year, but recently he has been on absolute fire playing like prime Santa Cruzero, Yoandi Leal, I guess Robert Landy Simon too. You love to see it. two very, very talented players. And yeah, Leal and Luciano De Checo have been a great combo together. And this is why I think Cucine Lubicivitanova probably looking like the strongest team in the Italian Super League right now. So yeah, fun stuff in Italy. Hopefully no more games get canceled. But for now, let's move on to the volleyball stock market. We already had one edition of this segment. And, you know, I have a little bit of a twist for you guys here. Got a little bit of a change of pace for this uh, second edition of the volleyball stock market. But first, let's talk about which stock is trending upwards. And for that, I'm going to have to go to my great friends in Russia, even though I've never met anyone on the Kemerovo team, I don't think, in person. But Kemerovo taking over the first place spot in the Russian League. I can't even remember the last time we've had someone other than Zenit Kazan take the pole position in Russia this late in the season. I mean, even last year when they were knocked out of Champions League, they were still winning fairly easily in the Russian Super League. So, Kemerovo, I mean, Kemerovo too, like on paper, they for sure got worse this year, losing Lori Kermanin, losing Viktor Politaev, losing Dmitry Pashitsky, but managing still to 
take the lead position and looking like a contender in Russia, if not the Champions League, but still first place. Trending up for sure, Kuzbas Kemerova. Well done. And for trending down, I'm not going to pick the easy one. I'm not going to pick Zenit Kazan. I'm going to pick another team from a different league. I'm going to pick Skraw Belchatov for two losses to teams this week that I thought they were for sure better than both of them, especially now that they have Taylor Sander back. I've said a lot in the preseason. I was really bullish on PG Skraw Belchatov, by the way. Bullish in stock market terms. If you're not familiar, it means you're very confident. If you're bullish on the stock market, you think it's going to go up. So I was bullish on Skral Belchatov, but losing to Gdansk, which, I mean, I, I don't understand. Gdansk is surpassing my expectations by a lot. They could be a team trending upward as well. Marius Vlajli had a good game, 16 for 28 against PG Skral Belchatov. But I, I, I don't know. I wasn't a huge fan of Trefl Gdansk and the roster going to the season, but making pretty quick work of a scrawl roster that for me on paper it was a lot more talented so not sure what happened there and also not sure what happened in the other match against Rosovia again Rosovia uh, Rosovia in my, in my opinion is better team than Travel Gdansk so this isn't as bad and scrawl almost beat them I mean losing 3-2 isn't that bad but still losing two matches and I mean they should I was predicting as soon as as soon as they got Taylor Sander back, they were going to storm up the rankings. They were going to easily make the playoffs. And right now, sixth place, that's a little tough. And, uh, and like I said on the last episode, 27 for Scrub Eltratov, 26, 26, 26 for Slovaki, Katowice, and Rosovia. Uh, so real tight race for those playoff spots. And like Scrub better start winning some games because there's really not that much time left in the regular season. And you don't want to play Zaxa in the first round. So they really want to avoid that eighth place spot. And I would really start to hit the panic button if they lose in the first round of the Polish Cup. So now for a bit of a twist to the stock market that I was alluding to at the beginning. Now, I'm not like a big investor or anything, but I thought this would translate well to the world of sports. We're going to do a short and a put. So a short is a player or team that everyone is really high on right now that I think is going to drop in the future and it puts the opposite someone who's really low right now that everyone is going to have a higher opinion of in a few weeks or months so for my short player I'm going to pick Matt Anderson and I know that that's a little sacrilegious Matt Anderson has like pretty much an untouched perfect reputation in the world of volleyball seems like the nicest guy I hope hopefully I get to meet him uh, sometime in the next couple of years, but I think if top Italian or Russian teams or wherever he plans on going are expecting him to come in and make a massive difference, turn around their season right off the bat, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, Matt Anderson hasn't played competitive volleyball basically since the 2019-2020 season back in you know March of 2020, which is almost a year ago, and you know he's he's obviously he's spending time with family which is amazing but you know probably hasn't spent the most time in the gym there are a couple instagram videos of him in the usa volleyball gym but i expect him to be quite quite rusty to start out and even then so say for example he's going to perugia and okay so where does he slot in on perugia does he you know go in for atanasevich at the opposite position and maybe he passes a few balls instead of plotnitschke plotnitschke does he go in for Plotniecki and, you know, you have Leon Anderson and Artanasevich? I mean, that sounds pretty good, but, I mean, Plotniecki is having an incredible season. 
probably a better server and attacker than Matt Anderson right now, especially if you're putting him as an outside hitter. Anderson, obviously a better blocker and receiver, but but I don't know. I, I just don't see it as a huge game-changing move for Perugia. And again, I think Plotnetsky has proved himself as a very valuable, like top-tier elite starter on one of the best teams in the world. And putting him on the bench, you know, seems like a huge waste, at least to me. And again, if he's on Modena, is Matt Anderson on Modena really going to turn them into a true contender in the Italian Super League? You know, Matt Anderson is a fantastic, elite, top-tier player. But, you know, if it, if it takes him a month to get into shape, to get into elite playing shape, and then by that time, Modena has like a 6th, 7th seed, are they, are they really going to be able to beat Trentino or Lube in the first round? Probably not either. So that's, you know, that's why I'm a little lower maybe on Matt Anderson being a complete game changer than other people might be. Now, if he went to somewhere like Kemerovo that, you know, hasn't been really been associated with him, but if he went to somewhere like Kemerovo that really could use an, a big upgraded outside hitter and is already a strong team, that would be a nice fit. But if he goes to Zenekazan, if he goes to Perugia, if he goes to Modena, I don't see it. And now for my put. So this is the thing, the player or team that is going to do a lot better in the future that they are now that people are kind of sleeping on. And I've been avoiding them in this segment on purpose until now because I'm going to put Zenit Kazan, who I truly believe will get back to their elite position. I mean, for me, watching a couple Zenit Kazan games now, I really don't think the problem is with necessarily the construction of their team. Yes, they're definitely noticing the loss of Alexei Verbov. Yes, Wilfredo and Matt Anderson were probably better than the current outside hitters they have now. But... They still have an extremely talented team at every single position. Maybe not as much libero, but every other position is absolutely top-notch. And I just think there's a bit of a weird mental situation in the locker room right now between the team. I think if they can get through that, and I think they will, I think Vladimir Lenko is a fantastic coach who can bring the locker room together. I think if they can do that, they're going to be right back on top, dominating teams. And really, we still have a little bit of time to go until the Champions League and Russian League playoffs. So they could easily turn it around by then. And I mean, if you look at the rosters of the top teams in Russia, I mean, Zenica Zan, I feel like, is a lot better than teams like Fekel Novi Ergo and Kuzbas Kemerovo. I think they will still take the Russian League. And I still think maybe I would drop them off the, my top contender status for Champions League because I did predict them as the winner of Champions League. Probably I would put... Alube uh, or Perugia as that team now, but but uh, yeah, Zenikazan, I I do not count them out yet. They will be back very strongly unless Irving Engpet just quits and, and goes back to France, which is also a possibility, pulling a Kyrie Irving and, and quitting on the team. But if not, they're going to be a good team. So I hope y'all enjoyed that edition of the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast. Got caught up a little bit on the professional leagues going on around the world. I recorded a commentary on that Rosovia versus Scrab Belchitov match that I will be uploading to my YouTube soon. So if you're a fan of the podcast, go and watch the commentary because it's just kind of like a live reaction analysis type thing. I already uploaded a couple of the Italian Super League, but I'm going to try Poland now. Other than that, we have some more Eurovolley qualifiers coming up this weekend. We have some great 
matchups in the Italian league and just in general, less games are getting canceled. So you're not wondering before every game, oh, is it going to happen? When are we going to play this game? So, you know, I, I feel like the seasons are starting to really heat up, especially with the Cups coming up soon as well in the second round of Champions League. So lots of fun volleyball to watch. Great time to be a volleyball fan. I mean, it's always it's always a good time to be a volleyball fan, but especially now. And hope you guys enjoyed the podcast and I hope you have a good week.